So y'all ready for fireworks? I was talking with somebody this morning. Um, they said they saw a fireworks display that lasted a whole three minutes. I think in my neighborhood that would be great. My dogs don't like the fireworks at all. I say dogs because my daughter and son-in-law are living with us. And um, they're in the process of buying a house. And my mom did this when we moved back to, to the Metroplex. Mom took us in. There were four of us and three pets. And um, the largest pet we had was our lab. We had a couple of cats. So when my daughter and son-in-law moved in, they had four people and three dogs. Their smallest dog is a, um, let's see, he's a, she's a blue healer mix. And she's the smallest. Then they have a lab mix. Then they have a 95-pound Doberman. So it's like, okay. So I think about this weekend and, and fireworks and they're all in the house and their kennels and that's going to be lots of fun. So, um, but I think about freedom. I think about this weekend or this, this time of the year when we talk about freedom and how we celebrate it. And Tiny and I were talking about this last week. And we were throwing out scriptures back and forth on which ones we were looking at preaching on. And we both ended up settling on Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles handy, go ahead and go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 20. We'll also have the, the passage up on the screen. I always like it when last is turning your Bibles or turn them on. So, um, but I have to give you, before we get into it, I have to give you this one little insight. A lot of times I spend a lot of my Sundays upstairs in the, in the media booth. It's very interesting when you look over the rail and you see people with their devices and you see who's in Scripture and you see who's not in Scripture. <laughs> and that happens in the 830 service with the older crowd. So it's just, I'm just saying you, you, you have, to, have to kind of watch. I do that with my students every so often. Sometimes what we'll do is, is a lot of times I'll preach from my iPad. Well, most of the times I do. But I'll look at the students and hold up phones and say, let's put these on the floor and let's, let's break out actual Bibles. So, um, but if you would join me in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 20. When your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees, statutes, and ordinances which the Lord our God has commanded you to tell him? We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Before our eyes, the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt. But Pharaoh, and on Pharaoh and on his household. But he brought us from there in order to lead us and give us the land that he swore to our fathers. The Lord commanded us to follow these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for all prosperity always and for our preservation as it is today. Righteousness will be ours if we are careful to follow every one of these commands before the Lord our God he has commanded us. Let's pray together real quick. Father, as we come to you now, as we look into your word, speak to our hearts. God, let us hear from you with what you want to say. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. If you look at freedom, this to me, this passage speaks so much of freedom. Uh, Like I said, Tiny and I had been discussing where we were going to preach out of. And we looked at New Testament, talking about freedom in Christ. And he came back to this and... And I sat down and read it, and it's like, wow, that is freedom. That's one of the first places that we hear in Scripture talking about freedom. When the Israelites are coming into the promised land, Moses is about to, to fade off the picture. Um, Joshua's about to bring in and, and, and take over. And he goes into this, this discourse out of Deuteronomy, which is so interesting. Um, 
I want you to notice something in the very beginning of this passage when it says in verse 20, when your son asks you in the future. I do this to the students every so often, look at them and say, we're going to do a little bit of, little bit of discussion in English right now. Um, never liked teaching English when I was in school. Didn't like taking English when I was in school. But if you notice, there's a certain word in there that says, when. The students are going to laugh because of the way I say my WHs sometimes. So I'm going to say it several times just so you guys can laugh. But notice it says, when your son. It does not say, if your son. It says, when your son. When your son asks you in the future. Keep that in mind as we move a little bit further in. Shift gears just a second. A while ago, we said the pledge to this flag. How many people actually believe the words that we say when we say the pledge to the flag? I would hope that would be everyone. I can see better so. Have you really ever read the words to the pledge? I want to look at something real quick. Carol, if you'll bring up the the words to the pledge for me. I'm throwing her a curveball here, so. But if you can bring up the words to the pledge real quick. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. We know that part. We get that part. And to the republic for which it stands. Here's the next phrase I want you to notice. I'm going to do some English on you again here. How do we normally say this phrase? One nation under God. You notice there is no comma. There is no pause. We've put that pause in ourselves. I always have people look at me when I say the pledge. You may not have heard me when I said it. But the way I've learned to say it is one nation under God. Because I don't think it's separate of one nation under God. When I look at it grammatically, it's one nation under God. And I think that's part of where we're seeing issues today to where our freedom's not what our freedom used to be. Because we are now just one nation under God. The Iwana group, when they say it, they actually say under God very loudly. And I, used to, I still would have students at my, in my classes when we would say it, and I would say the pledge, and I would say one nation under God. They look at me like... There's supposed to be a pause. No, there's not a pause. If we look at it and we believe the words we're saying, let's not put a pause in there. Let's talk about ourselves as one nation under God. Because that's part of what is being taught in this passage in Deuteronomy. Do you know what the word Deuteronomy actually means? Does anybody have a clue? I'm used to students, so I ask questions and, and, and usually get answers. Uh, does anybody know what the word Deuteronomy actually means? It's the retelling of the law. Do you know where the law was originally told in the Old Testament? Leviticus. We well, also had it in Genesis. You had it in Genesis. You had it in Exodus. You had it in Leviticus. Deuteronomy is the retelling of the law. It's one of those things, you know, where you've always heard that if it's said once in Scripture, it's important. If it's said twice in Scripture, it's really important. Here, there's an entire book dedicated to the retelling of the Mosaic Law. Now, we see here in this passage, children were to be taught. 
we have some things that need to be taught to us. Did we grow up automatically knowing all the rules? I love watching my grandkids. Tyson is three. McKinley is one. McKinley thinks she's as big as Tyson. And she thinks anything Tyson can do, she can do. And if she doesn't get to, she throws a fit. There was something Tyson had, and she wanted it, and she went and took it from him. And it was not hers, and so we took it back. I think Trish took it back from her, and she threw this wall-eyed fit. And it's like, where did this come from? She doesn't quite understand the rules of how things work. If it's not yours, you don't take it. Well, now Tyson still has those instances to where he's three, but he's learning the rules that if she takes something, he can't just walk over and yank it from her. He has to be more gentle on how he tries to help her understand the rules. So, if we're looking at teaching the rules, this passage we see the children are being taught. So what are the things that the children are needing to be taught? Let's look back at the passage. Verse 20, when your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees, statutes, and ordinances which the Lord your God has commanded you? Tell him. We were slaves. Basically, it's tell him our history. Tell him our heritage. How many people have stories that you just cherish that your grandparents have told you about when they grew up? There are stories that my grandparents told me that I just sit back and go, oh, man, I wish I could have been alive during that time. Now I stop and think about stories that I will tell my grandson of things that I did that he may sit back and go, oh, that was such a cool time. That's so neat. That's passing down our heritage. And that's part of it. But part of it is our Christian heritage and what we are doing there. Now you understand... That as, as this is being told to the children of Israel, teach your children. It's being told to the parents. I love it when we have the starting point times on, on Sunday afternoons, which by the way will be next Sunday, uh, starting at about 12.15. If you're visiting and want to find out more about the church and what's going on, uh, we'll be meeting upstairs. Well, part of the staff, because some of us are going to be out of town at, at youth camp, uh, we'll be meeting upstairs in the Life Cafe. There'll be uh, food, chance to sit down and talk with the staff and ask some questions and kind of see who Murphy Church is really kind of under the skin, which is pretty much what you're going to see anyway here. But um, as we get to that point, what are we going to think about as far as the teaching goes there? Are we come alongside the families to teach and to support what you're doing at home. Whose responsibility is it to do biblical training of the children? It's parents. Parents, train up your children in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. We should come alongside and support what you're doing. However, there are some times... There are times that folks were not raised in a Christian home and they come to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they become a member of the church and they start, start learning and growing. They may not have been taught by their parents what Scripture says parents should be teaching their children. Well, that's our place to help teach them. It's not our job solely, 
but it's our place to help teach them, to help bring them along. Now, if it's talking about the, 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 the commands, what commands do you think that they started with? Ten Commandments. Again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm used to, like I said, I'm used to, to asking students just tend to want to answer. You notice that it says the Ten Commandments. We could almost quote the Ten Commandments. They're referred to as the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. And it's also not a buffet time to go and pick and choose what we want. They come as a, as a package. They come as a package. Actually, Jesus sums them up in two ways. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. How much different would society be today if we were to actually live out those two commands and truly live out those two commands? If those were the only two commands that we taught our children, those are the only two commands that we could actually get taught to the rest of our church, that we could teach those to society, how much different would society be today if we truly loved God with all that we are and we loved others as we love ourselves? It'd be pretty close. But we do live in a fallen world, right? Now, here's one thing. Uh, my son-in-law and I have, have some discussions every so often with different things. He gets real passionate about certain social issues that happen. And, and I'm really I'm excited that he does that. But I looked at him one day, and I know Trish and I have talked about this before several times. We live in a fallen world. And would you agree that not everyone that we come in contact with is a believer or follower of Jesus Christ. Okay. So with that in mind, think of this. We should be biblically minded people as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Is it fair for us to expect a fallen world to live out the biblical principles that are taught in Scripture when they don't believe it? Why are we shocked when the world acts like it does when they don't profess to be followers of Jesus Christ? But on the contrary, how many times do the people that are professors in Jesus Christ, they have placed their faith and trust in Him? They're not living out. We're not living out what is taught to us in Scripture. That's one of those you kind of go, ooh, wow. When they don't make decisions that match up to biblical standards. Two weeks ago, we were at a, at a, at a leadership camp. It was called Super Summer. We took 20 of our students, and the primary focus, the students are going to be tired of hearing about this verse, but that's okay. The primary focus of this verse, or this, this week, was 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, and it comes up and it says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's Paul speaking. Paul was a guy that if you look at his New Testament letters to the churches, he's all about teaching them. Here's what we should be doing. It's as though Paul has taken 
what was in the first, the five books of the Bible, the first five, the Pentateuch, the law, and is reiterating it, but coming to it from Christ. We should be loving other people. We should be experiencing grace. We should be showing grace. We should be showing mercy. We should be loving one another. And Paul comes out and says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I look back at this passage of Deuteronomy, and Moses is saying, when your children ask, and I'm going to say children and not just sons, when your children ask, and hopefully they will, what are you going to tell them? What do you tell them? Better yet, what do you show them? What do I show my children, my grown children? What do I show them with the way that I'm living? What am I trying to show them? I stop and I think about this. My dad taught me a lot of things by showing me. There were a lot of things that he told me to do. Go do this, go do this, go do that. Some of the things I figured out. But the things that stuck the most were the things that dad showed me how to do. Not because he just told me, but he explained to me as we went through it. And I'm finding with my daughters, my, my, my oldest looked at me one day and she says, Daddy, I want you to teach my husband. She was like in middle school. She said, I want you to teach my husband when I get married how to do everything you know how to do. And I said, baby, I'd rather just teach you. Well, in a way, that kind of backfired. Because when she got married, um, she knows how to use tools. She knows how to use a table saw. She knows how to use string levels, all this stuff. And so she came home one day. They'd been married, oh, maybe a month. And they had bought these pieces they were putting together as an entertainment center. And they were going to piece it together and make their own entertainment center. And... Um, Brent comes home and Leanne's already got it put together. He goes, I wish your dad hadn't taught you how to use tools. And so she says, I have to stop every so often and not do things so as not to take away from Brent what he wants to do. But I'm watching that I'm able to teach my son-in-laws certain things. But I can't just do it and show it. I need to tell them and explain to them why we do this. I'm finding that there were things that, that, that Brent's dad did not teach him because he didn't need it that I'm getting to teach him and I can't just sit down and just do it and let him watch. It's like, let me explain. I have a real bad problem of when I start working on something, I get in a zone. So, and I can explain this. It, it, it happens here quite often because I'll get in a zone and start working on something and I may walk past you and not speak. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm in my zone because I'm doing something. And there are several times that both my girls would come back and say, the boys, the husbands would come back and say, is dad mad? No, dad's in his zone. And so I have to make a conscious effort that when I'm doing something, even if I'm doing it with somebody, I have to stop and go, okay, wait, I have to, I have to communicate. I can't just do it and go. If I wanted to teach somebody, I have to take time. I've been doing sound work for over 38 years. There are things that I do just out of sheer habit. 
There are times that poor Zach upstairs and Thomas back there and Todd sitting over there and, and others that have worked sound with me before that I just reach over and do things because it's second nature and I don't take time to explain, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I stop and I look back at this passage in Deuteronomy and I go, it's the exact same thing. How many times have we done things simply because that's what we've done? That we go to church because that's just what we do instead of taking time to look at our children and say, let me explain to you why we're going to church. Let me explain to you why we're doing this. Let me explain to you why we do this. And a lot of times we just go through the motions and just do it. We know why, but our children have no clue why we're doing it. But let's take it outside of our children with what our responsibility would be to our fellow church members. To the folks that weren't raised in the church. To the folks that didn't have mom and dad to explain it to them. That may be adults that are sitting here going, we're going to church and uh, it's a good thing and I enjoy seeing my friends and I got a great life group class and all of this. By the way, if you're not involved in life group, find you a life group. We've got lots of them here and they're great. So do that. That was an, un, uh, an unpaid political announcement there. Um, that one's free. But do we take time to look at the other people that are in our congregation and look at them and say, guys, we've got life group, and let me tell you why we're doing life group. Guys, we have this fellowship, let me tell you why we're doing this fellowship. It's not just we can get together and have fun and party. You know the reason we do the barbecue every year? It's to be able to love on folks. It's not just because we can get together and taste some great barbecue and have a chance to get some guys to come out and show their, their talents or people to get up on stage and sing karaoke. Or to watch people get thrown off a mechanical bull. Or chase a greased pig. It's a chance for us to get together in fellowship. Because we're told in scripture that we need to be fellowshipping with each other. That we need to be doing that. And are we taking time to explain that to the other people? We know that, but are we taking time to explain that to people? Because this is what's going on. People will believe what we do more than they believe what we say. When I was teaching, I found this out real fast. I used to teach a computer class. And I could look at my students and say, okay, I want you to do this and do this and do this and do this. And they'd kind of look at you with, you know, the deer in the headlights look. And they'd just kind of stare at you like, ah, okay. Made a lot more sense and we had a lot more um, advancement in what we were doing when I would look at the students and say, okay, guys. You've got your machine in front of you. If you'll look up at my screen, I'm going to walk you through how we do this. Now, let, now, I know some of you know how to do this, but let's do this. And I'd always have these kids look at me and go, hey, Mr. Fletcher, you know there's a shortcut. Yes, I do, but we're not taking that shortcut. Well, you know if I do these keystrokes, yes, I know we can do those keystrokes. But we're not going to do those keystrokes right now. Well, why not? And I said, because I want you to learn the long way. Because if you understand the long way of how we get to where we're going, now the shortcut makes a lot more sense. Oh, so that's really what the shortcut is doing. Yeah, I said, I can do something with three keystrokes that would take you seven or eight mouse clicks. Well, why can I do this first? I said, because this does not make as much sense until you know this way. How many things in Scripture do we do that we don't explain why we're doing them. We don't explain them. 
I'm just as guilty as anybody. So I'm preaching to myself here. Are we teaching what the Bible says through our words and through our actions? Are we teaching what the Bible says through our words as well as our actions? You know, there's a passage that says, love one another. Bulk of the people in here probably drive. Do you love everybody else that's on the road? By the laughing I'm hearing, um, you love them. You try to bless them every so often too, right? As soon as they stay out of the way, yes. Okay, since we live in Texas, I can say it this way. You ever looked at the way people drive and then say, you look at their license plate and go, oh, that makes sense. Well, maybe they're from Texas and they just moved back, okay? You got to give them at least a little bit of credit there. But think about the, the example of driving. Do we show grace and mercy when we drive? Seriously? I had this one thrust in my face yesterday. I was riding with my son-in-law. I typically don't do well when somebody else is driving. So I'm riding with Brent, and we're going along. And, and, and Brent, Brent is one of the probably the most cautious driver I've been around in a long time. He pulls up to a stop sign. I mentally counted to 12 before we took off, and I'm like... Ain't nobody else at this intersection. Why are we not going? And we pulled up to another intersection and stopped. And he says, you know, it's crazy. I was coming back through here this morning. And there was this lady. And he, he just, because it was a lady, we're not picking on the women. But he said, there was this lady that pulled up and she never even stopped. She didn't even slow down. He said, if I hadn't been paying attention, she would have run over me. And I'm thinking, okay, what would I have done? Would I have gone ahead and pulled out and gone, well, it's my turn to go? But would that have been the right thing to do? Do I know the story of why she ran that stop sign? Could there have been an issue that she had to get somewhere in a hurry? Possibly so. But am I willing to show grace and mercy in that situation so that she can take care of whatever it is she might be needing to take care of? Maybe she'd had a bad day. Something had happened and she pulled up and she didn't even see the stop sign. If I'm paying attention and I'm careful, can I show grace and mercy in those little bitty areas? Because think about it. Those little bitty areas, when we start to add those up, they become huge. They become huge. My children always laughed about the way I would drive. I was not a road rage person, but I would have a tendency to talk to the other drivers with my windows up. Nicely, of course, asking like where they got their driver's license, if they had a driver's license. Um, did they not see the stop sign? Did they not see that the light was green? What shade of green do you want it to be before you go? Um, things of that sort. And so I had to realize that my actions we're teaching my children so much more than what my words were. 
I go back to my dad real quick. Rarely did I ever hear my dad say, I love you. But I knew by his actions he did. I knew it. I didn't always hear it. But I knew by his actions he loved me. There was a phrase that we heard at Super Summer that really, really kind of stuck in my, in my memory. It says, we can't glorify God if we aren't loving the people right in front of us. If we're going to take time to teach people the statutes, the commands, and everything that's said in Scripture, we need to start with the two that Jesus summed it up to be. Loving God with all you are and loving people as yourself. The best way to teach is by example. For us to step out and to teach by example, by loving the people that God has put in front of us. We talked a little about this on Wednesday nights, and every so often on Wednesday nights I'll have the students, I'll tell them, stop and I want you to think about the person either at work or at school that you dislike the most. And they all start to grin and shake their heads and all this. It's like, so you've got that person in your mind, which you probably have somebody in your mind right now. Are we teaching them the commands of Scripture, of what God says we should be doing by example, by the way that we're treating them, by the way that we're loving them, because we cannot glorify God unless we can love the people right in front of us. And that doesn't mean we get to change the people that are in front of us. God brings people into our lives for us to love, for us to teach, because... Trish mentioned this, and she heard it somewhere, and I I can't even give it good credit. We represent the image of God on this earth. We physically represent God's image on this earth. As professors of following Jesus Christ, placing our faith and trust in Him, we represent God. People see God's image with the way we act, the way we react. And what are we teaching them? Who God is. And I go back to the, to the example of um, I always love it when your mind just goes blank. You're just going, there it is. Now I normally give the students a challenge. But I want you to realize that because of freedom, I want to tie this back into freedom. We have freedom. We have the freedom to teach the precepts of God, to teach what God has taught through Scripture. We have the freedom to do that. We have the freedom not to. But I think we should take advantage of the freedom that we have to teach and to show what is in Scripture. And I usually give the students a challenge. So I'm going to give you a challenge. And normally these challenges aren't just for the students, they're for me as well. This is one of the things that I told the students one time. The harder part about getting to preach is no matter what you preach on, God always puts something in there that I have to deal with too. I never get a chance just to get up and say, I'm really feeling good about this one. I've, you know, this is a good area. 
God usually puts something in. It's like, okay, you get to work on this too. And I've learned over the years to quit arguing with him about that. It's like, yes, sir, we're going to go this way. But I usually give the students a challenge. Here's one for you. For one week, for one week, would you be willing to live out in every area of your life, or as I say to myself, in my life, what we've been taught in Scripture? For one week, could we live out? And let me simplify it even more so. Could you live out how Jesus summarize the Ten Commandments into two. Could we live out for the next week loving God with all that we are and then loving others as ourselves? Would you take that challenge to where let's love God with all we are and let's love others, loving the person that God put in front of you will bring glory to Him. And will also give the opportunity to show who Jesus Christ is to the world. Would you stand with me as we pray together? Fathers, we come now to this time that God, I feel like you have given us a, a challenge something to look for, something to do. God, I just pray that even myself, as, as we look into this next week, that God, you just help us and, and, and spur us on to love you with all that we have and to love others as ourselves. God, that we would bring glory to you by doing that. And by doing that, we show, who pe- show people who you are, who you really are. And Father, I pray that if there's somebody today that has never been, gotten to the point to place their faith and trust in you, that today would be the day they would just come down and say, I don't understand this. Or they would ask questions, catch us before uh, the next service or after this one. That God, we could explain to them what it is you did. That who Jesus is, the sacrifice that he made on the cross for us. God, that we have the freedom to be able to live for you. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.